Welcome back to the Three Questions Podcast. In today's episode, the guys are going to answer three questions. And number one being, if I'm single, is it wrong to strongly desire marriage? Number two, why do some Christians emphasize journaling? If it's beneficial, how do you do it? And number three, how do I know if I'm called into vocational ministry? We pray that today's episode would allow you to have gospel conversations and that you would be able to share the hope of Jesus Christ. So let's take a listen to today's episode. Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family, do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. All of us have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church right here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is usually here with us. Uh, he's not here today. He's traveling, but he's our lead pastor. Randy Woodall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of media and community outreach. And my name is Daniel Snow. I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. We love getting your questions. And, and just as a reminder, um, ways that you can turn those in are you can email three questions podcast at myshbc.com with the number three at the beginning. You can text 505-258-2076 or you can go to the website myshbc.com slash contact and we'll always keep those questions anonymous. And so, uh, okay guys, we're going to jump into some questions for today. Are you ready? You bet. Although without Doug here, it kind of feels like we're, you know, we're missing an oar in the water. We've been kind of going circles. <laughs> a right. bit. We may, that, there may be some circles in the water. <laughs> I'll keep you guys on track. See, right, that's you. what Jeremy's here for. That's right. The anchor. We can always count on, can, always count on Jeremy to keep us lined out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, okay. First question is, if I'm single, is it wrong to strongly desire marriage? No. Okay, there we go. Next question. Well, now, and again, we talked about only if the person you're wanting to marry is strongly opposed to it, then <laughs> yeah. you might be in trouble. Then it, it could, right. It gets a little <laughs> awkward at that point. Yeah. No, I would say absolutely not. No, I mean, we, we there are so many passages in Scripture, even beginning in with the, very, the second chapter of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, where God establishes marriage as something for us. It's a, it's a gift for us, you know, mm-hmm. if, Genesis 2 tells us, you know, that for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I mean, it's such a cool thing that God makes it a a unique relationship between man and woman. There's nothing comparable to it until we get the uh, the uh, the comparison of Jesus in the church. Yeah, uh, and so it's a. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a strong desire uh, to be married. Mm-hmm. Now, again, like anything, it can go to excess. Yeah. You know, if it becomes something that almost becomes covetous or uh, or even idolatrous, mm-hmm. where that begins to consume your thoughts and you suddenly begin to feel, this is the only way I can possibly ever be happy. Then right. I think you you may be crossing a line there, but scripture tells us about the beauty and the blessing that, that God gives us when we find that person that God has created for us to be with. And we enter into that marriage with a lifelong 
commitment. Mm-hmm. And we actually become a something new. Two yeah. people become one family. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of go to school for unselfishness. Oh man. That's um, right. you, you begin to learn, okay, this is not all about me. And um, now I need to take this other person into account and their, their schedule, their preferences, all these different things. Um, and, and I totally agree with what you're saying, Randy. It, it's a gift from God. Proverbs tells us he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it could be reversed. And, you know, for a woman saying he, she who finds a husband finds a good thing. Um, and at the same time, anything can be idolized. Anything can be made to be too much. That's right. Um, I mean, marriage is a gift, but it's not God. Yeah. Oh man, that um, can search. That can sure happen. It can happen with your marriage. It can happen with your children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Now, one thing I will notice in the question, the belief, the person doesn't clarify his or hers uh, position with the Lord. And I do want to state this. Yeah. That marriage is a relationship that God created for His children, mm-hmm. and therefore. The only way to truly enjoy marriage the way it's intended to be enjoyed is after you have come to know the the a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that you know because that's where we learn to love a spouse is by the way we begin to understand how much God loves us mm-hmm. and when you are outside of that relationship with God through Christ you can't possibly know how to love a spouse properly if you don't know what the love of Christ is all about in your life. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I was looking at, I have a Bible here and you guys can attest to, to it. It's covered. Yeah. Way to go. You're so you smart. Have a, do you have a, do you have a thing of duct tape with words in <laughs> it's, between? Yeah. It's, it's my old duct tape Bible, but it was from when I worked at Falls Creek hmm. and I think I was 18, 19 years old. And I look back at all the, little prayer things I have in here yeah. and they were mostly for girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember, yeah. I remember being, you know, young, 19, 18 years old thinking I always wanted to be married. You know, mm-hmm. I just was like, man, I want to have kids. I want to, I want to get this thing going. And I would always be looking for the right person. And a guy, I was discipling me one time and I, I wrote it in here and it says, it's not finding the right person, but being the right person. Mm-hmm. And so taking the eyes off of uh, looking all the time for that person, I really began to start focusing on myself. Am I even ready at this point in my life to have who God may have intended me uh, to have? And so I began to really focus on, you know, growing, not being uh, where everything had to be about myself, but learning to, to, to be humble, learning these things. And believe me, when you do get married, if you do get married, you learn, to be humble pretty quickly yeah. uh, on that. <laughs> but really focusing on my relationship with the Lord to make sure that when God did, if he chose to send someone, that I was ready and, and ready to go and, and for that person to to be ready to get married to me as well. And so That's I just so really, good. I think it really points back to, and even in our own lives, we can't let that be an idol that we're chasing, but mm-hmm. we need to really be preparing our hearts so that our first love is Christ. And then when mm-hmm. he, if he chooses to send someone, we'll love them the way that Christ loves the church. So yeah, that's really that's good. That's so good. That's so good. And I'll just, you know, we're, we're called just in what you guys are just now saying, we are called as believers for our own good to hope in God alone. Mm-hmm. He's the only one 
who can actually carry our hope. Anyone or anything else we put hope in, it's crushing. And I, I'm speaking from experience. There was a time not very long ago where I made an idol out of my own kids, um, where I was putting all of my hope in them and how they're doing and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's that's crushing for them because they are not built to carry my hope. It's, it's too much. Um, it's crushing for me because they're not always going to be doing great. They're humans like I am. That's right. And, and so hoping in God alone. And, and also just to finish that thought out, part of that hoping in God alone is kind of praying like Jesus prayed in the garden. And that is with honesty saying, Lord, this is what I want, but not my will, but yours be done. That's so good because the same thing like what you were saying with your kids, you can easily do with your spouse or future mm-hmm. spouse. And if, and I would, I would just strongly encourage whoever sent this in to, to say, listen, I, you know, wanting to be married is a great thing, mm-hmm. but don't believe that the only way you can ever be happy is by having a spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, our joy and our fulfillment comes from Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and if he gives you a spouse you praise him and thank him and love her as he loves you and loves the church. Mm-hmm. But that your spouse, either before you, your future spouse or your current spouse, if you're married, they were not meant to ever be your source of joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Christ can be our, our source of joy. But I will say this. If I had Lydia living at my house, she would be the center of the joy <laughs> there watching her. It'd be really hard not to make her that. So She's a little party waiting to happen. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> it just would. Anytime she's going to make you laugh. I know. It. So. That's totally correct. Totally correct. Okay. Next question up is, I lost my, hang on one second. I lost my little. Do you guys have it? I got it. Mine disappeared. I got it. Why do some Christians emphasize journaling? If it's beneficial, how do you do it? It's good. It's good. What do you guys think? I think it's beneficial uh, for some people. Um, I myself, I love to journal. um, And it's almost like it can almost become something where if I don't do it a couple of days or if I miss a week journaling like, I just, I'm sad, you know, like, it's like something, it's not always like, oh, I want to learn something. I just enjoy the, the thought of writing things down. But yeah. for me, the reason I started journaling was to remind myself of how good God is and to remind myself of, hey, back in January, I was walking through whatever this trial was. Mm-hmm. And here we are in August and God was faithful. And, you know, sometimes the outcome doesn't, go the way that I intended it to, but God is always faithful. And so going back to read those journals, going back to read those things, it really kind of helps me to remember um, what I was walking through, how God was was molding me and just kind of reminding me, don't go back to maybe if I was struggling with something, God delivered you from that. Let's mm-hmm. let's move forward. Let's keep moving forward in, in my relationship with Christ. And so not perfect with it, but I do really enjoy that that side of it, and so I see the benefits in my own life of of not going back to the same things that aren't going to give me life, but going back to what what Jesus does, and He's He's the one that does that. Kind of gives you a a clearer picture of the rearview mirror. Correct. That's, That's awesome. Good. Yeah. Okay, and, and I'll come at it from a different way because 
I have to confess, journaling is not a discipline that I ever developed yeah. in my life. Um, I kind of regret it simply because I see in our culture writing becoming a, a lost mm. art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I hate that. I remember one time getting to meet Herschel Hobbes, one of the great preachers yeah. of all time. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. and this was back in when I was first beginning my ministry as a, my work as a minister back in the eighties and his encouragement to all of us young preacher types was right. Yeah. He said, the world is losing great writers and theologians and we need you to write. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I wish I'd have heeded that. I didn't. Um, but you know, there's so many benefits from writing. Uh, you have to, it, it really does make you pause and think through what's about to come out of your fingertips. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our modern day, it's so easy to just <laughs> click away at a keyboard or yeah. say things through a microphone that later you go, eh, maybe I should have thought that through a little better. But mm-hmm. when you write, you get time to do that, to think it through. Uh, and and as Jeremy said, you know, the Bible over 230 some odd times, I believe, it tells us or, or references remembering something. Yeah, there's. Yeah. We're, we were created to remember wonderful things, tough things, uh, difficult things. Uh, you know, the, uh, God gave us this wonderful capacity to store memories and to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And I think journaling can be a great way to do that. And, and isn't it funny that while I totally agree, we were called to remember, but we are so, we're so quick and easy to forget. Like, that's right. I mean, that just seems like a natural thing that we do. And I don't know, but what that may be one of the effects of the fall, to yes. be honest with yeah. you. Um, and, and so anyway, yeah, clearly the idea of journaling is not a biblical mandate that it's, it's something every Christian is, is called to do or something like that. It just seems like a wise practice for, for many, um, because for most people, we remember more of what we write. Mm-hmm. And, and for me personally, it's not every day. It's more of an occasional thing as, as I really sense that there's something that the Lord's been showing me, teaching me. And it's something that I definitely want to remember, um, over the years. That's, that's, gotten to be more of a habit of, of actually just keeping that journal and writing it down. And man, you guys are so right. It's, it's pretty cool to look backwards. Yeah. In it. You know, and one of the things that I've discovered and actually your dad, Daniel kind of turned me on to this are these Bibles now that are called journaling Bibles mm-hmm. that actually have either a blank page or they've got extra column space where as you're doing a quiet time, it gives you some room right there on the, columns or on the margins of your Bible to write down thoughts as mm-hmm. you're studying God's word. And so that's another uh, really cool tool that's available out there now that maybe wasn't a few years ago. That's cool. Something just real, real lately uh, that someone was reminding me of was just some of you've heard of the three circles way of sharing mm-hmm. the gospel with people. And it just challenged me to, you know, what, I need to like write that down, like actually draw that little diagram out again, just so it's, it's fresh in my mind. So kind of over the last couple of weeks, several times just in my journal, like it's not writing anything down. It's really more drawing and, and, but it just, it keeps that rolling around in my head and hopefully quick on my tongue to be able to talk with someone about. Yeah. And, and, you know, on a more 
didactic type of approach. Nowadays, more people are visual spatial learners than mm-hmm. years back where in my day, we were actually kind of forced or boxed into being sort of linear sequential learners. Everything mm-hmm. was presented to us with, you know, major point A, sub point B, C, D, you know, and we were, we were learned to take things and put them into schematics to remember, to memorize them. But nowadays it seems like more people are learning in big picture things like what you were talking about mm-hmm. there with the three circles, you know, that's a, a visual aid to help us remember very important uh you know, topics or themes. And I think uh, writing stuff out like that is a way of doing that. You not only are thinking a thought, but you're also seeing it written down. And I think all of that just helps us to memorize scripture better, Mm -hmm. learn principles of discipleship better. And as Jeremy said, remember some of the wonderful things that God's done in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture memory is an awesome way to use journaling. Yes. Um, I would think so. Very cool. Okay. Third question. How do I know if I'm called into vocational ministry? That's an that's that's a question that I think every believer should ask themselves. Hmm. And even if it's not vocational ministry, but if it's how do I know when God is calling me to do something or God is speaking to me? Mm-hmm. Now obviously when we look at scripture, we see multiple ways God speaks to people. Uh, you know, Jesus called his disciples verbally eye to eye. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no doubt they could see him. He was talking to them. So there was very little question Mm -hmm. there. My personal call to ministry, uh, was one of the very few times in my life that I ever, that I truly felt like I heard God audibly call me Mm -hmm. to, to the mission field. I mean, that was long ago, but it was such an audible thing. I turned around to see who was behind me talking to me and there was no one there. I I really think it was just an audible voice. But we also have seen in Scripture where, especially with the prophets of the Old Testament, a lot of times theirs came in the form of a vision or, or a dream of, mm-hmm. of, of some sort. So um, I, I think God can use lots of mechanisms for communicating a, a call to us. But almost all of these calls have a few things in common, and they all have to do with following him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's almost always a call that that is a follow me call. It's you know a lot of times it's a now go, mm-hmm. but as you're going, you're doing it as you follow him to wherever he's leading you, and and so I think that's one of those aspects that you want to look for if you think God is calling you somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I I'd agree with that a hundred percent. I remember age of 15 at super summer and just in a room. And then they were speaking about call to missions and call to ministry. And, and I remember the only thing I cared about was baseball. And Mm -hmm. I remember going back to uh, brotherhood dorm and my roommate at the time was potluck and he played a Casio keyboard all night long. <laughs> Casio. And, and it was no joke. It was, he would play that. Nice. Oh, I mean, it's great, but it's two in the morning and, you know, I'm trying to deal with you God. You loving that? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to deal with God over here. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget sitting in that room going, uh, God, you've called me into, to, uh, ministry. Nothing else, nothing else will ever make me happy, including baseball. 
And I remember the next day going across the street and standing up in front of that group and saying, Hey, God has, God has called me in, into to the ministry. And so my youth pastor was really good about allowing me just to shadow and walk with him. And for me to be able to see the hard things in ministry, the, yeah. to be able to see how he was treated at certain times that weren't the best by church members mm-hmm. and to be able just to still in the midst of all of that, to be able to say, you know, there's nothing else, no matter what it is. That's right. I, I, I can't escape what God has placed. And so I often think about that all the time. How do you actually know? And I I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. And Randy said it early on before we were recording. You just know. You just know when the Lord calls you into that moment of, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it just changes your whole perspective on um, what you used to think was such an important thing. When God has seriously called you into ministry it just kind of narrows down into this one box kind of thing from mm-hmm. it did for me of what's the most important thing, God to use my life for your glory. And if so, if that's baseball, then open that door again. If it's not, then open up the ministry side of where I'm supposed to be to serve you. And so looking yeah. back now over 20 years of it, you look at it and you're like, man, it wasn't perfect. What I, you know, there's moments where you even question it sometimes. Right. But when you remind yourself going back to your journals, what we just talked about, God, God's faithfulness in the midst of it all, there's nothing that, that can bring you joy except doing what God's called you to. That's good. Um, yeah. I mean, even when you look at a call to salvation, the first step to that or a big step to that is repentance. It's that call of, okay, Lord, all of this that's in my life now is unimportant. Mm-hmm. You are what's important to me now. Mm-hmm. And the call to ministry becomes that too. It's that idea of all these other things that, thought were really necessary for me to find fulfillment in life there. I'm, I'm letting go of them to follow whatever you have for me. And so yeah. I want to read something yeah. to, uh, this, uh, this past uh, week or two weeks ago, I think Jeff Orge, Dr. Orge from uh, um, gateway from gateway seminary. Uh, he was out leading a call conference at OBU. And I, I saw this quote and I thought, I thought it was very well worded. He said, a call is a profound impression of God that establishes new parameters for your life and that can only be altered by a subsequent superseding impression from God. Yeah. You know, calls from God aren't, you know, well, God, what are you, what are you calling me to do for the next 10 minutes? Yeah. I mean, these are, this is something that is life altering. Mm -hmm. And it keeps your life altered. It sets new parameters for your life until, like Jeremy said a while ago, God then opens up another parameter or another direction. That's good. It's scary, Daniel, too, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, man, okay. And because sometimes, and I think you'll cover that, but like sometimes even your family may not agree with that call. Uh, Your friends may not agree with that Mm -hmm. call, but if you have people around you that know you well and that um, see the fruits and the benefits of what's going on in your life, you have to really lean in on that instead of just, Hey, I don't want you doing this because it might cost you money or you may not make as much or blah, you know, yada, yada. It can sort of be like that. uh, When, when God calls Abraham and this is not just for pastors and people in vocational ministry, but, but in general, following a call of God 
can be kind of like Abraham being called to destination unknown. That's I mean, exactly there's just, right. there's, it's just like, okay, I'm going to keep moving forward a step at a time as you show me. And I have no idea where it's all going to end up, but I know you'll show me when I need to know Yeah, uh, what I need to know when I need to know on the vocational ministry side of things. I would add just a couple of things uh, in total agreement with you guys. There seems to be a personal desire side of it that we've kind of been talking about. And and First Timothy 3 talks about that. He who desires to be an overseer or pastor desires a noble task. Okay, so that's, that's not a bad desire. So there's that personal desire side. But then we also see evidence in the New Testament of kind of a local church affirming side right. to where, yes, uh, this person has these desires, does their local church who knows them well and watches their life and cares about them and loves them, does that local church affirm that, yeah, we can see that in your life? Or are they going, you know what, I don't see that or not yet or yeah. something like that? Because really the two things should be lining up. They should. Yeah, we talked as we were talking about before. Nobody should be shocked that you're called yeah. to ministry. I mean, it, in fact, for the most part, I think you'll find people will go and we knew God. You know, we had a sense yeah. that God was preparing you for something. Mm-hmm. That's good. And and just a couple of things that we see uh, that should be characteristics of someone called into vocational ministry. One thing would be a teachability. Um, we can see that lots of places, but one place for me is when Apollos is, uh, he's actually taken aside by church members, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, this couple with rhyming names that it's really cool. Uh, and they pull him aside just to help explain really the meaning of baptism to him. And, and, and he needs to be teachable in that moment. In other words, if you're going to be in vocational ministry, it doesn't mean being always the person who can never be questioned or who can never be taught or has all the answers or has all the answers. Um, so that's, I think a big part of it. And then I just have to read first Peter five. Um, and there's other things, but this is just so good for me. And it says this. So I exhort the elders among you elders is another word for pastors or overseers. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And... I mean, those, those are just things that, that are supposed to be part of it. Yeah. Agreed. So, okay. Awesome guys. Well, Hey, by the way, worm, I think I still have a Casio watch too. <laughs> Casio's making a comeback. That's right. <laughs> was it you that was my roommate in, in Super Summer, Randy? <laughs> Playing all hours of the night. Oh man. Yeah, I can come over. I do concerts. So yeah. <laughs> oh, Jeremy Johnson, thanks big time for this week, not only producing the podcast, but being a major contributor. contributor. Oh, he carried wow. us. He carried us totally today. Totally. That's exactly right. Uh, thank you guys that find time to listen to this thing, and hopefully it is helpful. And just remember, 
you can subscribe, you can rate, you can share. And, and really the, the point of that being maybe that helps someone else find it and maybe it's, it's useful to them also. Until next time, always remember the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. Thank <laughs> you.